You are now tuned in to Behind the Confidence Smile, the podcast, where we talk about what's behind your smile. No longer suffering in silence and truly walking in your purpose daily. I am your host, Bianca Cotton, wife, mom, author, poet, speaker, and hope dealer. I am on a journey to help women walk in love, live in hope, and be healed from past hurts. Join me on this journey of revealing what's behind your smile. We have special guests, some poetry, and inspiration. Now let's start the show. You are infantry. I would just come on in here with this energy because our conversation pre-hitting the record button was already live. So I just said we need to hit record and get this <laughs> show going. Farah is dynamite, y'all. I can't wait for you to meet her in person one day. Me too, because I haven't, you know, due to these COVID streets. But let me introduce you to this wonderful Black woman here. Farah Harris is a psychotherapist and workplace belonging and well-being expert dedicated to disrupting unhealthy work environments. If we don't need that more now than ever, I don't know when. She is the owner of Working Well Daily, a company committed to improving employee work life by addressing work-life alignment, equity, and mental wellness. Her mission is to help individuals and organizations decrease symptoms of stress and burnout. (laughs) Can you relate? (laughs) Elevate their emotional intelligence and improve morale by implementing strategies to create healthier work culture. As a mental health practitioner and consultant, Farah is aware of the intersectionality between well-being, equity, and inclusion. She is a sought-after expert on mental wellness, psychological safety. If we don't need that more now today, I don't know when, okay? Do you feel safe at work? Workplace culture and emotional intelligence. Her clients consist of Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 companies. Her work has been featured in media and podcast platforms. Let's brag on fire real quick, such as Forbes, Fast Company, Business Insider, Huffington Post, Essence, Good Morning America, Martha Stewart, Thrive Global, and Therapy for Black Girls. Welcome, (laughs) Fire. I had to press mute because you had me cracking up. <laughs> I was like, okay, Bianca going to have me on here making noise before I was supposed to make noise. <laughs> yes, make that. the noise. Thank you for that. And I was, I was like, as you were talking, I was like, oh, wow, that's like a pretty good bio. But then I realized, oh, I sent you an old one. <laughs> things change so quickly don't they things change quickly especially in this world and day and time but yes everything you say is legit I stand behind it I mean (laughs) it's legit and by the time this airs it's gonna change again I'm sure you know (laughs) so before we jump into behind the confidence smile the podcast how are you feeling today like checking in Uh, 
Checking in. I'm going to be honest with you. Today is a better day. It's been a rough couple of weeks, but um, today I had to do a presentation um, teaching an organization um, about psychological safety. And it's been a while since I've done a speaking engagement. And I realized that is so much a part of filling my cup. Uh, you know, I'm not a mom, I'm not a wife, I'm a presenter and I'm using my gifts. And I didn't realize how much I enjoyed it because I was the person that was like, public speaking, who are you talking to? Not me. Mm -mm. I, I'll, I'll be behind the curtain. I'll pull the curtain, you know, <laughs> but I never wanted to be up front. And now it's crazy that this is actually my life, that I am a professional speaker and I'm doing all of these uh, engagements, but um, it's been quiet for a while and I've been glad it's been quiet. But today having to speak, it felt good. And it always feels good to get the feedback from people to um, say that they felt seen, that they, they felt my energy, that they enjoyed it. Um, I made a statement earlier in the presentation about, um, you know, when we're talking about inclusion and belonging, it's just inherent worth that you, you should be included because you're a human being and that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And someone literally said in the comment that they needed to hear today that they were fearfully and wonderfully made. And I was like, y'all gonna get this word, you know, <laughs> um, I'm not going to listen. I'm, I don't start off telling people I'm a Christian, but if you are a believer and you are in the audience, you're going to know based on how I deliver the message. Y'all going to get oh, something. You're going to get some, some if, truth. If you read your Bible, right? You're going to know what you're hearing. You're right. Be like, that sounds familiar. That sounds familiar. Ooh, yes. Yes. I feel that. I totally feel that. And you said something that I want to, I just want to dig right into. You say you rather be behind the scenes or even pulling the curtain. Why is that? Mm, I, you know, I think that, what do they say? That public speaking is like one of the most popular, you know, phobias that people have. Mm. And I don't necessarily think it was a phobia. I just didn't want to. <laughs> so for many years, I was like, I don't necessarily, I don't know. It was a bit of dissonance like I didn't necessarily want to be up front but if I was in the audience listening to something and it was something that I felt like I had some kind of knowledge in I'm I would be a little critical and go like I could do that and then I would be talking to myself like girl what you talking about shut up you want to sit here you don't want to be up front but as I got older and older it became more loud of you can do that you know, you could have said that I would have done this differently. And it wasn't even on a competition or uh, to be judgmental to the person that was there. I think it literally was my spirit trying to go like, you want to sit here, but that's not where you're supposed to be. You are supposed to be up there. And I resisted it for a long time. That's so real and so relatable. <laughs> uh, like we said before we hit record that it's uh, for the both of us, we have not opted into <laughs> leadership positions. It's been more of, so we need uh, you to do this. And you're like, who? Who? Me? Who? Right. Who are you and pointing to? Around, like, who are you looking at? I, I, don't, I don't think it was me. Like, yeah, what definitely. Do you, what, do you, what do you mean? Reluctant no. in, mm -hmm. in leadership. Um, reluctant in, in speaking up 
Um, but I think at the same time, knowing who my parents are oh, yeah. um, and who they are in terms of integrity, their natural leadership abilities, um, they're just really big on um, if you're going to do something, do something right, you know. And so if I would be in a group, I would never want to take the lead, like, you know, group projects and team projects. But I want my A. So if, if people start talking, I'm like, okay, all right. So this is what we need to do. What's a teacher say? Okay, can you do this? Can, and I'm starting delegating because I don't want you to jeopardize my grade. So it's never something where I initially want to take the lead. I would so prefer, and to this day, would prefer somebody else to take the lead. But at the same time, I do want some level of control over what the outcome is going to be. And if I want an A, y'all look like y'all messing around with some C level stuff. I, I will exert myself <laughs> and just be like, all right, practice okay. Some agency. Practice some agency and be like, let's, let's, let's go. But mm -hmm. if it was up to me, I would sit down and eat my food and mind my business. <laughs> That's it. Like Pastor Sarah J. Say, she drank her water and mind her business. Drink her water and mind my business. Got my Shall water right here. <laughs> I am so curious and have been for a while. What led you to become a psychotherapist and well-being expert dedicated to disrupting unhealthy work environments? Like, how did how that combination time? come about? How much time we got? Yeah, we got time. I got my water here. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to preface it with this. I say this all the time that I believe God is the chief recycling officer, that there is nothing in your life that he will not use at some point. And so my background, I never wanted to be in the mental health field. I, like I said, you know, I just really have started um, coming into myself as a speaker, but I thought I was gonna be the real life Claire Huxtable. I went to college saying, I'm going to do corporate law. Now, all my friends were confused because I was a creative. So I, I painted, I drew, I did all of these things. And so they totally thought I was going to either go into advertising um, or, you know, the fine arts. And I was like, no, I'm going to be a lawyer. <laughs> and they're like, okay. Um, yeah, I took my first pre-law course and was like, hail to the no, no, no. This, this, this ain't it. This is not going to work. Um, and I, I changed my major from, I think, finance, finance to economics, still kept the pre-law because I thought that looked fancy, um, but knew I wasn't going to go to law school and minored in sociology. And then I graduated. So I'm, I'm, y'all could, in, in a way, date me um, because the year I graduated, 9-11 happened. So y'all can go ahead and carry the one and do your math in your head. So I... I found it very difficult to find work after college. And so my dad was like, why don't you go to grad school? And my belief, I said, if it's going to be a master's program, that means you are mastering in something you want to do. And I had no clue. Um, so I took the opportunity to go back to school, but not to get a master's, but to go into fashion design. I was like, well, let me tap back into my creative sense. So I started the fashion design program. But my left brain kept saying, mm -mm, you, we're not being stimulated enough. So I switched over to marketing. 
and was like, oh, this is, I think this is it. This is a, a, a marriage between creativity and, um, and, and, and the, the rational brain and the, you know, the corporate side and had my first job as a marketing analyst for a boutique consulting firm. And similar to our conversation before we hit record, I was like, when y'all gonna let me go? <laughs> because it was, it was such a small firm that there was, right. <laughs> because I didn't have any plans and I figured it would be easier if y'all just let me go. Cause then I can, you know, get my unemployment and I could, you know, figure some stuff out. And um, this is what happens when you work in an organization that doesn't have a clear career path for you. So you are stuck. Uh, you become unmotivated. So even though it was a great work environment, it was not toxic at all. Uh, I loved my bosses. I loved the office manager, but it still negatively impacted my well-being because I wasn't able to be creative. I didn't know what I was working towards and working for. I quickly got bored. So I found excuses to come to work late. I found excuses to create projects that would have me out of the office, all of the things. So um, I remember one of the senior partners was like, I'm surprised you came in with a good attitude because I would have been so bored after like two months. <laughs> so we appreciate that you made it two and a half years. And um, when I was let go, I remember my husband saying this, he doesn't recall this. I believe this was the Holy Spirit speaking through him where he was like, before you just find another job, why don't you take time to see what it is that God would really want you to do. And so I decided to make it a year of Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and all, you know, and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I was like, Lord, I'm just gonna seek you. So we just gonna go to Bible study. We're going to go to prayer. We're going to do all these things. I'm not even gonna worry. I'm not even gonna ask you what I should do next. But then I felt this leading to be a marriage and family therapist. And the unction was incorrect, but the direction was correct. Um, so I ended up at the end of the year applying to get my master's in mental health counseling. And the minute that I started my program, I'm like, this is the space I'm supposed to be in. This mental health field feels good. This, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. Um, then I worked with a couple of uh, couples and I was like, and I definitely don't want to work with married, <laughs> married people, premarital people. I don't want to work with couples, but this individual thing, I like this individual thing. And as I worked with individual couples, but I still had a husband in corporate. I still had friends in corporate. I still, I'm a uh, first gen uh, Haitian. Um, so I have immigrant parents. You know, I watched how they did work. I've watched how work impacts our well-being, whether it's positive or negative, whether you are in corporate or you work in a blue-collar job. And I was like, the United States sucks when it comes to workplace. Like we don't value, we claim we value family, but yet we don't have a correct family leave. We have a short bereavement leave. Um, we don't give enough support when it comes to child support, where uh, we're talking about daycare centers, et cetera. Um, you know, what women are going through in terms of infertility, miscarriage, all of the things. So I was like, and, and, and that's just one part, but then we're not even talking about the bullying, the harassment, the low emotional intelligence that happens in the workplace. And I was like, 
I think that there is a way to bring this clinical psychological aspect that I'm doing in, you know, the, the private practice to more than just a one-on-one -on -one situation. I think I can speak to a, a, a broader group in addressing these issues. Um, what does that look like? And that was my entrance into creating Working Well Daily or at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018. Um, yeah, so like I said, everything, it just, I, I had to use my own emotional intelligence to ask myself, what is working? Do I like this? Do I not like this? So that I can try new things. And I feel, especially as Black women, we don't give ourselves permission to try and to see if it brings us joy. Um, we always feel like we have to do things a certain way. Um, and we don't. <laughs> I feel like we, we should have the freedom to see, does it work for us? And if it doesn't, pivot. Wow. I was over here cracking up, partially wanted to cry, partially was like, yes, he better preach that. And all of that because we we say this is the land of the free right. I, I'm, I, I promise you, I'm not going to get on that soapbox right mm -hmm. now, but I do want to um, mm -hmm. in a minute. But just how that's the land of the free for who, for who? <laughs> right? For who and for whom and how it's, it sounds, I read a book sometime last year. I'm trying to remember the name of it exactly, but it was about, I'm looking at my, um, my shelf over there. It was about rest and like the Sabbath and how we need to take a deeper look at resting and it sounds like that's what you did that's what your husband encouraged you to do is you know what take a step back before you make another decision take a step back and identify and take a moment of rest and, and tap into God and see what he actually wants you to do versus what you feel like you should be doing for a paycheck versus how can you use your gift, skill, talents, and abilities, experiences, uh, your background, your family history, all of these pieces of you and create something that is uniquely you that can be an answer for so many. So you went to grad school uh, to study mental health. What was the experience like as you were studying it? Like, did you feel like, man, I feel at home or this is where I need to be and you didn't I did you start to notice you had the language for what you were experiencing, but you didn't know you had the language? Like, what was that like? I think it's everything that you just said. Um, I, to the listeners, let me, let me be clear. Um, I did very well in school, in elementary, junior high, and high school. Academics came easy for me. Um, I wasn't necessarily straight A's all the time, but most of the time I was. And then I got to the University of Illinois 
Champaign-Urbana. And I struggled. And it threw me for a loop because academics became hard for me, uh, which is one of the reasons why I did not want to get a graduate degree. Because I was like, I'm done with school. Y'all got the four years out of me. I'm good. Um, it, I, I experienced depression. Um, because so much of my identity was based off of my intellect. I always knew and believed I was the smart girl. So what does it mean if I'm no longer the smart girl, if I'm no longer able to get good grades? Um, so, so college was not necessarily a, a pleasant time for me. Um, so when I started my program um, at Trinity to get my graduate degree in mental health counseling, and like you said, I was like, I started to feel at home. Um, the classes were smaller, obviously. And it was such a specialized focus on just the human experience. And I started to realize how much I was already a people watcher. I was always curious on like, well, there must be a reason why this person's acting this way. They didn't just show up um, in, in this way. They, these behaviors did not come out of uh, the woodworks. Like this has been stuff over time. So to actually have uh, books that were talking about it, that was explaining it, that were giving me theories uh, for me to think about. And I went to a Christian um, uh, school. So we were also having to take, um, what's the word? Um, oh my gosh, Bible classes for us to understand the intersection between our faith and the theories that we were learning and really challenged us to go, how does this fit with what um, we understand the Bible to speak when it comes to mental health and mental illness? And so all of that intrigued me. Um, I was excited to learn. I mean, it was still a challenge, but you know, I graduated with honors uh, and I kind of felt like God redeemed uh, that academic and educational experience for me by going to grad school but yeah the minute I started reading these books I was like I'll bet <laughs> yeah this is it this this is what I want to learn this is interesting to me that's so good so I, I hear a couple of things and I hope y'all got y'all notebooks and pens because I forgot to say that in the beginning <laughs> but it sounds like you one had to face a fear or a few fears and debunk uh beliefs that you had about yourself and myths like I am the smart girl but you hit this experience that made you question what you knew to believe about yourself and what you experienced with yourself up until that point and yeah. not being uh, afraid to start over or and or continue your education and going a different direction however you want uh, to look at it and also not caring what other people think right you didn't say nothing about that but I wanted to say that out loud because sometimes in this in this world of social media comparison can yes. be so easy and you don't know if that person been working on that for 20 years mm -hmm. 15 years or they just started today don't compare your life to another that, me, that's my whole point in saying that. But let me ahead. tell you something. Let me tell you something. Because <laughs> you, you just hit on something that made me just recognize something. Um, 
I have, and, and maybe this is because I'm Alex and Marie Claude's daughter. Um, I feel like the challenges that I have experienced in my life have always put me in position to reaffirm who I am, if that makes sense. So I'll even go back to, you know, stuff that we can remember as, as teenagers, right? When you start um, paying attention to having um, quote unquote romantic interests, right? So, you know, I remember having a girlfriend who at that time, this is when Aaliyah was popular, right? So she was light-skinned and long hair and so was my friend. And I remember we used to walk down the street and all the dudes would try to holler at her and they'd be like, yo, Aaliyah, you know, they would call her by name. She'd be trying to wear them sunglasses too, thinking she was all that, but they wouldn't holler at me. And I was like, okay, my chopped liver, like what is happening? <laughs> I mean, they only hollering at my girl. And, um, but she did not have confidence within herself. So though they would holler at her, she wouldn't talk to them. So in a way I kind of had to be the middleman and they would be like, yo, can you tell your friend this? I'm like, nah, talk to her yourself. But as I sat and I thought, I said, okay, all these guys aren't hollering at me. That's making me feel some kind of way. Yet my parents always told me that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm smart, I'm pretty, I'm this. I'm like, you know, they just affirmed me. And so I was like, and the way that my parents are, they ain't liars. Like, I think if I wasn't cute, they would just talk about other attributes. <laughs> I don't think they would be like, you're so yeah. beautiful. They'd just be like, Jesus loves you. <laughs> right. Um, so I was like, I don't think they lying to me. And then I also had to look at the caliber of the young men that were hollering at her. And these were street dudes. And I was like, I actually wouldn't want to date these people. So I always had this moment of when I would have self-doubt to kind of look for the evidence and ask myself. And I even remember when I, I went to um, a, a diverse school, but I remember in middle school that there was this black girl that called me an Oreo. And I'm looking at my girlfriend who was black too. And I was just like, what is that? What does, what, what's an Oreo? And she's like, black on the outside, white on the inside. And it still took me a minute to be like, well, I don't what oh, and again, when doubt was getting ready to come, and I was starting to question myself. This all happens probably within a 10 minute, 15 minute time span. The same girl that called me an Oreo was like, can you go ahead and talk to such and such, this white boy and ask him. And I was like, oh, the very thing that you were teasing me of is actually something you realize you don't have. I can move from one group to another and not code switch. I was just comfortable talking to the white kids, the Hispanic kids, to the black kids. And again, in every moment, and I feel this is God's grace, that every moment that I've had moments of doubt, there was this moment of clarity of who I am and reminding me of who I am. So when I struggled at U of I, I was like, but I am smart. I don't know how I'm not being able to get these A's and I'm and barely getting the B's. Like, I mean, I got on academic probation, but yet I'm editing other people's papers and giving them A's. How that makes sense? <laughs> So people come in like, Bahar, can you read my paper? Can you edit my paper? And I was like, okay, I am smart. I just don't think I can learn in this environment is really what I had to come to. So that made me feel like even though U of I was a bad experience, it did not define who I was. I still am the smart girl. I just could not learn in that environment. So that opened up the door for me to do well at Trinity because I still believed I was smart. <laughs> 
I mean, it took me a while to get over the depression that came with it, but I think it was more wrestling with how the experience made me feel of not being able to do well in school and knowing I was trying my hardest, um, but still couldn't see the fruit of it. But I would love your audience to recognize that anytime there's a moment of doubt, look for the evidence because more than likely, it's just this momentary feeling and it's not truly the truth of who you are um, and what you are and, and what you can do and what you can be. It's, it's, it's momentary. That's so good. And I want to tell you, I am so grateful that you say yes to walking in your purpose and walk it in who God called you and created you to be because the more people actually get in alignment with how they were created, how we're wired, I feel like we'll have more solutions in the earth. That's that's what I'm saying here. Like, here's my, why hands, my hands are up. Y'all can't see me. I'm sorry. Y'all can't like, see me. I'm I mean, even like crazy. She got her hands lifted because. Yes. All of that. It's, That's what I tell my clients. Yes. Bishop TDJ, I love this man. If you ever listen to my podcast, Bishop TDJ, I want to meet you. So he did this. Uh, he taught this. Uh, what is it? What is it? Bible study. Um, recently, he he said something that hit me so hard, but in a good way. He was like, "Why would I compare myself to somebody else?" It's only one of me, period. Period. It's only one of me. It will only be one of me. There will be not be another one of me. At all. So he was he was saying that to say, you gotta walk on your path and your lane down the street that was created for you because mm -hmm. it's only one of you. It's only one person that sound like you. It's only one person with your name, your yeah. exact name, mm -hmm. your exact fingerprint. Mm -hmm. So, and yes. all of this pouring out that you're doing, cultivating as a wife, a mom, entrepreneur, a human being, how do you take care of your mental health? Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Um, Okay, first I'm going to give the, the definition that I share with everyone of what self-care is. So I define self-care as the intentional daily act of creating a life you don't want to run away from. Keyword is intentional, right? Because there's so many people who wait to the last minute. My, my, my good friend, Melissa Douglas, um, LCSW, she says, um, you know, be careful so that you don't let self-care become self-rescue, right? People be waiting until, uh, and I think, what was it? Mental health, um, oh my gosh. Was it Mental Health Alliance, I think, where they had uh, a, a, um, a program where it was just like, you know, before stage four. Like you won't wait till stage four to take care of your body when the cancer comes. You wanna do all this preventative work. And so that's what self-care is it's prevention it's maintenance it's protection against everything that the world is you know throwing at you so for myself I'm always asking myself 
what is it that I need right now? Because some self-care tools don't work after a certain amount of time. They don't work in certain seasons. Uh, people recognize that with COVID, you may have gone to the gym all the time and then all of a sudden you couldn't. So you have to figure out, okay, how do I take um, active, um, you know, uh, working out differently? You know, maybe I need to start walking around the neighborhood. Do I buy weights? Do I, you know, go to the basement? You figure out a way to, to change it. Um, but I'm going to let the audience know, you know, I don't, I hope by the time y'all hear this, I'm no longer in it, but currently I'm experiencing burnout, um, maternal burnout. And I was telling um, Bianca that I also am writing my, my first book. And so I've had book burnout. And even though I say that self-care is the intentional daily act of creating a life you don't want to run away from, that doesn't mean that you never want to run away. It just means you want to run away less the more you're taking care of yourself, the more you're going to not want or feel the need to escape. And so, um, and then also self-care doesn't mean rainbows, butterflies, and unicorns. <laughs> it, it does not always equate to happiness. It equates to That's maintaining hard. your mind, right? You know, to keep your mind regulated. So when I say that I am burnt out maternally, um, we have two of our older children are being homeschooled. Um, and we also have a three-year-old who has special needs. And I didn't realize that even though I, I'm a napper, girl, if I could take a nap too, even a day, I will do it. Um, music, prayer, uh, having deep conversations with, with you know, girlfriends, laughter. I'm big on Marvel movies. So I will sit here and I'll get into some type of MCU something. Um, but sometimes that's not enough because life can be heavy. And that self-care is just to maintain me until I can move out of the season of pressing that is happening. Um, and so it, it, is, it is a joy, it's a privilege to be my husband's wife. It is a privilege to be the mother of my children. But I have noticed and understood that um, my creative cup has not been able to stay full during COVID because my creative cup was getting filled prior to COVID during my time of aloneness. When I'm mm -hmm. running errands, when I'm preparing dinner before picking them up from school, that's when I would listen to webinars. That's when I would listen to podcasts. This is when, um, you know, as the scripture said, faith comes when I'm hearing and hearing of the word of God. It's not necessarily the biblical word. Sometimes God is speaking to you through other means. And so that way of filling my cup was through hearing. And even if the kids are playing outside or they're downstairs and I'm in the bedroom, my mother hat is still on. So I'm not truly alone. And I have not been finding, I have not been able to find a way to replace that, that self-care activity. Um, but these Negroes are going to camp. Let me tell you, <laughs> they got to be out my house next month so I, could, so I could have my space. But I was like, wow, I didn't realize. And I think I had said to, before we um, uh, pressed record that I am an ambivert. I am an extroverted or introverted extrovert. So that introvert time of aloneness being by myself, I have not really been able to have in over two years. I have not had a moment of silence unless I have purposely chosen to leave uh, to do like a writer's retreat. But even that, like, I'm just trying to pour out as much as I can into writing the book for the two days that I'm gone. 
but it's not a space to just sit and to right. be still and to be quiet. So um, my mental health is definitely something that I'm very acutely aware of. I do not like trying to teach my clients something that I don't live out. So um, my clients keep me honest. So I'm actively always working on it, but I will never shy away of telling my truth truth of saying, well, you know, even though I'm actively doing this, I still experience burnout because right now, especially this world is high garbage on summer's day. So, um, <laughs> come on, can we breathe for a moment? A moment. Uh, yeah. For a moment. I mean, <laughs> yes, breathe. We have to breathe. And it's, it's harder, you know, you, you, your whole purpose of this podcast, you know, about what's behind someone's smile. It's like, I've had a, a deep conversation with one of my good friends where we were just saying, it's just so much harder uh, in these COVID streets to have sustained joy. Um, you may yes. recognize that you might feel good one moment and quickly that, that, that dissipates. It's, it's because the capacity that we have is not the same. We are not the same people um, that we were two years ago. And we have to even understand that we are everyday practicing cognitive dissonance because we're trying to act like things are normal when things are so not and we don't even realize how much is happening subconsciously um you know the neuroscience activities that are going on to just trying to keep us sane in this yeah. insane world and so this is why we don't have the same capacity and breath uh to and barometer to handle the things that are happening you might find yourself quicker <laughs> to get upset Quicker oh, yeah. to be irritability. Irritability. Like you see how people are driving in these streets people act like they don't know how to drive um, and we see it with our children in the school systems people are we are in a mental health crisis and so this is why it's so important to know what's in your self-care toolbox know and ask yourself what do i need right now do i need a break do i need to stop do i need to to take a walk do i need to um, when was the last time I had a good meal? Am I eating, yeah. you know, healthy, you know, life-giving foods? Um, and if you, if you and your partner are together, when are you and your partner get a little time together? You know what I'm saying? You know, I call it marriage ministry. When are you, right. <laughs> you investing in marriage ministry? Because um, all of that stuff helps to, to elevate our well-being and our wellness yeah. and so we need to recognize that maybe i need to watch a good episode of martin maybe i need to watch oh, yes. can i get something to or make this me is us to make you cry something <laughs> like if right? you need a good cry just you watch need a, a good, good cry well. any episode you know any episode <laughs> any episode so it's 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 important to me because i want to show up well for my husband i want to show up well for my kids i want to show up well for my clients corporate or um, you know, when people reach out to me, I don't want them to get less of me. I mean, this is the reason why we're having this conversation now versus a, a couple of months ago. I knew I didn't have it in me to fully show up for you well and your listeners well. And so I said no and setting those boundaries, which is another part of self-care. So yeah, it's all of that. I know and I said I, a bunch. <laughs> now, I think that's good. And I respect that it, it brings me back to uh, one of the reasons why I wrote uh, my latest book is about we need as visionary women, as go-getting women, high-achieving uh, folks who drive, who push, who like, I see the vision, I'm going for it. 
we have to take stock as one of my old pastors used to say, take stock. How are you doing? Do you you know yourself? (laughs) Well, I, I see you doing a lot of things, pushing a lot of projects and programs and, and producing, but do you know yes. yourself? Do you have a healthy relationship with yourself? And, and having a healthy relationship with yourself, you can say, you know what, Bianca, I know we had this schedule. Can we push that out? Because I am not in a position to pour Mm-hmm. right yeah. now that's having a healthy relationship with yourself some people who don't have a healthy relationship with themselves and see that oh you just gotta do it it's like no if you if you mm-hmm. don't have it if you literally are like I am weak yeah I feel I feel nothing right, right. <laughs> I can't I, I literally have to peel myself out the bed because I just don't have it Mm-mm. But this, this is me speaking from experience. I would push because that's what I thought I needed to do. But this is our society to cry and and to hustle. And then that's reinforced in society until I really start taking a look at the definitions of grind and hustle. And I was like, I don't like that. I, those are harsh words those are harsh words is. and you know and I just don't it's think not that gentle. is my right. <laughs> I don't believe that is my portion I believe in moving in a spirit of rest yes. and so um and I know people are like but you say you burned out I am burned out but I'm moving in a spirit of rest because even though I may acknowledge I am tired I still take care of myself as I'm tired Right. You know, because I understand, again, that there's sometimes circumstances are just going to be overwhelming and I have to maintain myself in this season. It's almost like um, I would say almost like being a grape and being pressed Mm -hmm. and you're being pressed so that you can get the juices to make good wine. Like I said, we're not the same. So we may have been grapes in 2020. And then March hit and the Lord is like, okay, we about to press you because I need to get something else out of you. So um, the stress is not always negative if you know how to use the stress for you, right? The stress is allowing us to see, you know, we talk about the um, great resignation. I call it the great awakening. People are like, I don't think I need to work like this no more. This is ridiculous, Right. And so people are awakening to relationships that don't serve them well, jobs Mm -hmm. that don't serve them well, a way of living that didn't serve them well. And that is just because they've been pressed. Right. They've been put into a situation where they're stressed and they're like, well, no, 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 no. Let me let me assess the situation here. Does this work for me? And so everything that I'm going through, even though it may be challenging, it's only given me more clarity to assess mm-hmm. what I need to do different to create my life by design. If I want my life to be a certain way, if I really am trying to move in a spirit of ease, what do I say no to? Where do I, 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 I rest in God's providence? You know, like I was telling you before we started recording, the first quarter, almost the first half of the year, I'm not making the numbers that I would like to make for my business but I believe in God's providence. I believe that rest is productive. I believe that I need to be rested so that when the harvest comes, I'm actually able to reap it. (laughs) You know, but because I was like, I don't understand people saying pushing and grinding. And it's like, okay, but at the end of this, I want to be well, not warm. 
I don't want to get to the finish line and then I can't even enjoy the fruit because right. I'm too tired. No. Well, can't cross the finish line. Oh, can't cross the finish line. This place. You're like, man, please. <laughs> I'm off that. No. Like, like look, tink, tink. Like, I'm trying to get across. I, I wanted to hit on this part. Mm. Um, and I'm glad you said it, the, the great resignation, right? The great awakening and how so many people are like, you know what? I was doing this. I stayed in this role for maybe financial security or, you know, it can take care of my family and I need a roof over my head. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but having time and space mm-hmm. to think, right? What, what are some signs that an organization has a culture of wellness as well as one of burnout? <laughs> mm, that's a good question. Um, I think we know, or we can observe a, a company or an organization that is invested in the well-being of their employees when you see happy employees, where there is high job satisfaction. Um, employees are engaged. They feel safe to speak up. Um, they feel um, that their voice matters. There's collaboration within the workplace. Uh, there's low attrition, right? So it's not this constant revolving door of people you know, coming and going. Um, there's low absenteeism, um, meaning that people are finding ways to not show up at work or they're not coming to work because of health issues, because they've been so burnt out and so stressed. A healthy workplace, you have people who are thriving. You have people who are excited to be there. Um, I always know if I'm doing a presentation and I'm like, yeah, you know, um, now everything is virtual. I'm like, put in the chat, you know, what are your thoughts? And if I get crickets, I already know it's not a psychologically safe space because that means people are afraid to put their thoughts out there because they don't want whatever they share to be used against them. Who's here? Who's in this meeting with me? Oh, if my boss sees this and I'm agreeing with something that you said that he does, mm, you know, I don't want this problem. Mm. That's that's an unhealthy place. Um, But yeah, if we're seeing high satisfaction, collaboration, engagement, um, people who want to stay uh, people who speak highly, obviously, of your company. That's a culture that, that's all about the wellness by being person and employee-centered, you know, really addressing the needs of the employees. Because every company is different. You know, a company has a lot of um, individuals who have families, especially families of young children. Mm-hmm. They may be more flexible. They may have a, a, a longer um, family leave, you know, all of those things, but a culture of wellness is a culture where people want to stay. Um, and to your other point of your question, uh, a culture of burnout, they just want you to contribute. (laughs) It's the opposite. You know, they just want to get whatever they can out of you and they don't care if they beat it out of you, they grind it out of you. Uh, you are just there as a commodity there is no value in who you are as a person. Uh, it's a place of disrespect. It's a p- place with low boundaries. Um, possibly also they don't, not only don't they invest in their people, they don't invest in people uh, in terms of hiring. You know, it's just like, dude, you know, you got this person doing technically three people's jobs. <laughs> so why don't you hire some help? Uh, well, you know, the budgets, 
nah, y'all, y'all penny pictures. Y'all aren't sitting here trying to get the best out of your people. So um, yeah, it's, it's a company that that crosses boundaries on multiple areas, you know, the personal boundaries, uh, physical boundaries, uh, in terms of putting them in a place where um, people can't rest, you know, you, people don't take breaks. Uh, and then you see high turnover because people just can't handle it anymore. It's not a safe space to be. Mm, so good. We could sit and chat about this all day. And I know you already shared so much of what's behind your smile. Is there anything else you want to share with mm. us of what's behind your smile as we close our yeah. discussion? I think I kind of giggle when I thought about this question because I was like, it depends on what day it is. <laughs> like, um but I feel, okay, my name in Arabic means joy. So I feel like it's also my birthright to have joy. Um, my faith is what's behind my smile. My husband um, loving the skin that I'm in. We talked about that. Like y'all could sit here and holler at Aaliyah, my girlfriend. And <laughs> call me dumb because I can't get these grades but I know that within me I am good I am fearfully and wonderfully made um yeah the knowledge that I'm deeply loved not just by my husband and my kids but by my parents and by my siblings and by my friends um that that's that's behind my smile those are the things that that make me feel good and to know that when I do get an opportunity to come before many, um, you know, so at like a corporate event or whatever, um, to hear the impact that I am making based off just, you know, one word or just my presence, um, knowing that the work that I'm doing brings the Lord glory and that it's touching lives of others, that that's behind my smile. That's so beautiful. Y'all have heard it, okay? The magnificent, the dynamic. She is known across the world. You are <laughs> so, Farrah, so Farrah, again, thank you. Thank you for blessing the people today mm. um, and being with me in this season as we continue to learn and grow and, and glean wisdom mm. uh, from what is occurring and what's not <laughs> in the world. <laughs> um, tell folks how they can uh, get connected with you and stay connected with you for yeah. your upcoming book too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to make it easy for you all. Um, you can follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, and it's all the same handle at Farah, F A R A H, Harris, H A R R I S, L C P C. That's it, Farah Harris, L C P C, um, on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, you could also follow my Working Well handle, but once you follow me, you should follow Working Well. You can, it's, it's all connected. Um, and then, um, I'm not sure if in the show notes that you can share Bianca, uh, a, a link to, if you want to be like 
kind of like the first to know what's happening pre-launch with my book, The Color of Emotional Intelligence. Uh, this book is dedicated uh, to, to those who are not just in a DEI space, not just courageous leaders, but all of us who have been marginalized based off of our race, our gender, um, anything really, our, our ability, disability. Um, but this book is how emotional intelligence, this great strength skill has been impacted by inequity and how we don't use the skill in the same way. Um, especially as Black folks, we have learned how to use the skill more for survival instead of mm -hmm. self-care. And I want readers to walk away um, utilizing it differently, but also utilizing it so that we can create safer spaces, not just in the workplace, but ideally a safer world. Yes. And I'm telling y'all, it's going to be good. You know why I say that? Because I sat through a presentation of two of Fyros around the color of emotional intelligence. And when I say good, <laughs> I mean with the T on the end. Mm. So not only is this, this is, to me, your book is not just a book, it's it's a resource that is going to carry through generations and through decades. It's it's going to be almost like when I think it's almost going to be like reading James Baldwin when people oh, they girl. keep like they keep quoting him. This man has been gone for how long? Like I feel like that's what this is going to be I for received. our generation and generations to come. She is adding to the fabric and tapestry of literature thought forethought insight y'all come on you are Bianca is trying to get to a forerunner an here an altar call <laughs> and a collection plate on this evening oh my goodness thank you so much they connected i follow yeah. her and have been for a while and enjoy every post because it comes from such a genuine place you know when folks trying to get over on y'all. Y'all know that. That's not what I'm saying here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you a mess. You a mess. But thank y'all. Thank y'all for listening. Yeah. Thank, thank y'all for putting for up me. with Bianca and her schoolishness. <laughs> I adore you. You are so sweet. And I thank you so much for this opportunity because I do think we just need a space to remind ourselves how to have um, a reminder that there is a reason to smile. Um, if we take a moment and if we forget it within ourselves that we can hear somebody else's reason behind their smile to be, uh, what is it that we overcome by the words of our testimony? We are to share our testimonies for others to be uplifted. So thank you for this. My pleasure. All right, y'all. Until next time, don't forget to send me a DM at Bianca and Cotton. Let me know your thoughts about this episode. Looking forward to hearing from you. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Behind the Confidence Matter podcast with your host, Bianca Cotton. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. Let's grow our community, you all. Until next time on the podcast. Remember, we all have a story and a journey of what is behind.